UMass hits the road again, this time for their third and final game against Providence this season. We get you ready for all the action in this one and what UMass needs to do to get off their losing streak. Let's go. everybody and welcome to episode 76 of high character umass uh has another weekend with just one game another road game they're playing at providence at schneider arena for the second time this year third time playing providence and we are here to get you guys ready for this game my name is cameron and i'm joined by my good pal evan evan how you doing man hello i might uh sound a little different i gotta do mike Woo, you guys let's get to go hear all of my hot takes in hd probably be able to pick <laughs> up the lisp a lot better too so that'll be a fun one but uh yeah feeling good um i i guess i have a little bit of more of a reason to be optimistic about the series i mean we're gonna talk about it a little bit in the episode but I mean, never mind. I probably shouldn't say anything because last time I brought up the team <laughs> struggles, it never turns out well. So maybe I won't. But realistically, Providence is on a little bit of a downswing right now. So if there's any, if there's going to be a time for us to get back in the swing of things and make a move, it's it's now. So I'm optimistic. I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, and uh, we're both rocking mics now. So we hope that sound quality comes through to you guys. Um, yeah, like you said, Providence struggling a little bit. This will be UMass's third time playing them this year. The first game, seven to four loss at Schneider Arena, um, and then a four to three overtime loss at Mullins. I believe that one was a blown lead situation there. Kind of the the start of the whole downturn of this season. So um, not great results against Providence, but like you said, they're they're struggling lately. They're on a four game losing streak. Providence's um, this kind of just going through their resume they have some good wins but also some bad losses um a loss to brown at home a loss to unh at home uh just last weekend they got swept by maine so um they are now unranked after being ranked for most of the year so pretty similar story to umass at this point kind of um similar trajectories of their season although providence has a couple more quality wins and a a bit better of a record at 12 9 and 6 yeah, I mean, the more I look at kind of each team's respective schedules, yeah, we kind of do have, or we kind of had similar stories this season. Like, they beat us when we were ranked fifth, you know, and, like, those were, like, really, really solid wins. It's kind of like how we beat Denver. Like, those are two really, really solid wins, like, fairly early on in the season, and then now we're both unranked. You know what I mean? It's like we we both kind of had really, really promising starts. That was kind of the case for a lot of Hockey East in general. Like, I think at, I think at one point Hockey East had, like, seven teams ranked in the top 20. I think we only have like three now. So it's like, I feel like just the conference as a whole is kind of on a downturn, which is really unfortunate. But um, yeah, like, like we kind of said, I mean, we'll, we'll see kind of which team decides to pick themselves up off the floor and really gut out a win. You know, I feel like both teams kind of need it right about now. Maybe Providence needs it a tad more if they kind of want any sort of like, you know, postseason tournament hopes. But I mean, yeah, at this point, UMass, we're really just, again, trying to garner momentum so we can, you know, look good in the playoffs and hopefully, you know, try and get some, what is it, like magic in a bottle? I don't know. There's there's a phrase for that, I'm pretty sure. Like, I don't know, something about being really good and getting hot at the right time. But, yeah, I think there's a there's a saying for that that's not coming to me right now. But you guys get the point. Really hoping that uh we can really figure it out towards the end of the season and try and make some noise. 
Yeah, it probably is a little more important for Providence. They're sixth in Hockey East right now with a seven, five, and five conference record. Um, they're looking up at a couple teams, Lowell and UConn, that have are close to them in points. So the points definitely mean something to them. UMass, on the other hand, uh, we we detailed it in the game recap last weekend after the Lowell loss, one nothing. Uh, UMass is tenth right now. They're just three points ahead of New Hampshire. So they really got to start getting some points here in order to not finish in last place. Um, their record overall is nine, 13 and three this year, um, which looks bad because they're on a six game losing streak right now. And in conference, it's even worse. It's three 11 and one. So um, these games are important for UMass not to be, um, I don't know, kind of a laughing stock. I mean, you win the conference last season, you don't want to go, all the way to last when uh, I know you lost a lot of guys, but you're trying to keep a trying to keep the prestige of the program here. Not a, not a great look right now. Yeah, we definitely just, I mean, it sounds kind of weird, but just like look good for the future. You know what I mean? Like I think just trying to get the young guys going. I feel like we've been saying this a lot, you know, over the course of the past couple of weeks, but it's just been so important. You know what I mean? Like really just focus on the talent that we got right now put them in some positions to succeed, get some confidence up, you know, just try and try and give us something to, to, you know, to cheer for a little bit. You know what I mean? It's been, it's been a tough season. It's been hard, you know, not even just for on ice performances, but just a ton of injuries, you know, just a lot of, you know, both roster and coaching turnover. It's a tough time. I feel like, you know, I'm starting to realize that like, it took me a while. It took me a damn long time to figure that out. I mean, I've been saying it a lot this season, you know, just kind of been spoiled by the beginning and, kind of you know hid the cracks a little bit in the team composition that like we we were talking about the entire offseason and then those completely washed themselves away at the start of the season when we had such an electric start so yeah all in all it's been a tough season but I think if, if we can have at least a strong end to the season and just really start to you know like I was like I was saying before kind of gain some momentum it's, it's going to look good for the future it's just going to be another building block to try and build on you know going forward for the the coming seasons because at this point, that's kind of what we're looking forward to. I feel like I don't want to say the season's a loss, but as it stands right now, things are looking pretty damn tough. You know, it's it's not a great look. Yeah, and uh, that kind of leads us to our conversation about um, some of the, the top goal scorers here for both teams. For UMass, um, we obviously discussed their struggles at length this season. Their um, total goals per game is down to 2.6, uh, which we haven't seen it that low in a little while. Um, so the, the scoring leaderboard for UMass isn't great looking. The, the leader right now is Scott Morrow. He has been for a few weeks now. He's got six goals, 16 assists on for 22 points. So um, he's he's picking up his points where he can get them. But uh, especially lately, I think that goals per game team number was inflated a bit by the um, the Union Series where they scored 14 goals in two games. Uh, and that number is uh, steadily crept down. So it's at 2.6 right now. I think genuinely any stat you can potentially think of for this team was inflated by that series. I, I don't think I've ever seen a more dominant series of all time. Like that was just absolutely scary to watch. Like as a UMass fan, like I brought a buddy to mind to that series for both games and uh, or at least one of the games. And he was from the, the New York area. So I guess he was kind of rooting for union. And I was like, dude, I don't know about that. That's probably not a good look. And, yeah, it really wasn't for him. I mean, that was just an absolute dominant series. But um, yeah, I mean, like you were kind of saying, it's just it's just kind of been on a downswing ever since then. I saw somebody, I don't remember the account off the top of my head, but it was somebody on UMass Twitter um, 
I said it to Cam before the episode. I think we were still ranked number one in the nation in our power play uh, during the Lola game last week. And if you take away the Union series from that metric, I think we would have been like 20th in the nation. Like, come on. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to talk about inflation, like, that's absolutely ridiculous. So, yeah, it just kind of shows like a couple of, you know, really solid performances can, you know, if you take those away, we're pretty mid team, you know what I mean? And that's kind of showing yep. the pair wise right now. So again, just gotta, we gotta put our best foot forward in this game, you know, like just really just take it to the, you know, take it to Providence. Last time we were in that building, it was a tough look. So I really hope that we can, you know, put our foot on the gas from the very start and not fall behind. Cause that's going to be, I think a big kind of confidence breaker if we fall behind in the first parts of the game. Yeah, I think so too. And, uh, Switching over to the Providence side, um, they do score a bit more than UMass. They're at three goals per game. Um, not an amazing number. Uh, kind of similar up and down the line for their roster. Their um, leader in points is Parker Ford. Uh, we've seen that name for Providence for quite a few years now. Um, he also has 22 points like Scott Morrow, but his is on nine goals and 13 assists. So um, we saw... We saw um, 11 goals scored by Providence in the first two games against UMass, so I definitely wouldn't take them lightly uh, offensively as an opponent. Come yeah, not, even, not even looking at, like, purely their top goal scorer or just, like, their point getters in, in general, but, like, I'm noticing up and down their lineup, they have guys that can both pass and score. Like, I'm looking at guys, you know, fourth, fifth, and sixth on the team in points. They're rocking, you know, nine goals, seven assists, eight goals, seven assists, seven goals, eight assists. Like, it's all very even, like – it kind of seems like with the UMass team, it's more like we have like one or two guys that are like bona fide like goal scorers, I guess, by our standards, even though they're not even really killing it in the goal column. But like we have the majority of our guys are, you know, playmakers first, you know, like pass first type of guys. Whereas this team, it just seems like anybody can can shoot and score. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of guys with, you know, high single digits in the goal column. So I think the team might be pretty dangerous. I'm curious to see how we try and shut them down defensively. I'm wondering if we're going to have to change up our defensive system because we're a team that gives up a metric ass ton of shots every game. And if we're going to do that against a team that has, you know, a lot of capable goal scorers seemingly through the stats, that's not going to be a, a recipe for success, I think. Yeah, I don't think so either. Definitely uh, got to limit those shots. I mean, we've been saying that all year, but um, definitely against this team because we saw how much Providence took advantage of it. Um, and one of the guys they took advantage on in, in those first two games was Luke Pavisic. And we have to imagine that he'll uh, get the start. I think Cole Brady started one of the games against Providence. Yeah, so did. that's how you know it was way back when this season. Uh, Pav stats this season, 18 games started, 2.53 goals per game with a 927 save percentage. So really good save percentage. Uh, the goals per game is a bit high. That's just because the team gives up so many shots and offer good high chance opportunities. but. I uh, have to imagine that we'll see him in net on Friday. Yeah, I mean, just from, you know, the Lowell game and the the previous UConn game, I mean, come on, who else could it be at this point? Like, I think he faced somewhere in the low 40s to upper 30s and shot totals across both games. The UConn game, he had to make a metric crap ton of really, really solid stages to keep us even in it. And I mean, the Lowell game, dude lets him one goal on like 30-something shots, like, you know, if you're playing a, a goalie battle like that and the other guy gets a shutout, you can't blame the, you know, you can't blame our goalie. You know, he was, he was doing his best to keep us even in the game. So yeah, I could not see anybody but Pav starting barring some sort of freak injury. I pray to God that does not happen. I don't even know why I said that to even speak it into existence, but uh, 
Yeah, no, it's definitely gonna be Pav going forward. His stats have been very, very solid this season. Yeah, and he's passing the eye test too. He looks great. Yeah. On the Providence side, it most definitely will be Phillips Fedback. Um, we've seen him earlier this season. He's got 24 games started, 2.25 goals per game, and a 904 save percentage. So um really different stories with this goaltender matchup. Svedback gives up um quite a few less goals per game than Pav does. It's Pav does 2.53, uh Svedback 2.25. But uh, Svedback's save percentage is much worse than Pavs by 23 points. So um, definitely shows you how few goals um, and uh, like scoring opportunities this Providence team has given up. Yeah, I mean, he's basically, he has what, 25 games played and he's had 530 saves this season, according to uh, <laughs> Elite Prospects. Thank you, Elite Prospects, for those numbers. Um, that means he's what averaging maybe like 27 shots per game against roughly something along those lines. I mean, the team, the team as a whole is giving up 23.6 shots per game, which is super low. That's yeah. I know my math was off on that one. So thank you for that. That was important, but like, yeah, I mean, you can just tell, I mean, it seems like a case of, I mean, if we just want to move right into the whole keys to the game thing that we usually Mm -hmm. do, I mean, it's going to be as simple as get, high percentage looks you know like this seems like a team that's going to shut down you know kind of the the little point shots on net you know like they're probably good at you know getting their bodies in front of the puck you know clearing out the front of the net they 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 try to make things as easy as possible for for Svedbeck you know what I mean like in in the case of just no freak shots coming in out of weird angles like that if you're going to get a scoring opportunity against Providence it's going to be a high a high percentage look you know that's just kind of shown by the low save percentage you know He's going to rob a couple. Spedback's a very, very solid goalie. He's done it against us earlier in the season. We just, you know, sometimes I think it's going to be a case that we have to make the extra pass because we really got to make sure that we have an open look against him because he might shut it down otherwise. Or, you know, it might just be a case of they're really, really good at blocking that final shot. So we got to make it as clear cut of a chance as humanly possible in order to score. And I mean, kind of follows the same idea on the defensive end, in my opinion, you know, just we've given up way too many shots. It's as simple as that. I mean, I know we're kind of a, you know, injured team right now and it's going to be tough. I have no idea who's even going to be coming back for this game. Um, Cam, you might want to have to provide a little bit of an injury report because I don't even remember who we ended up getting back last game. Did we get O'Hara back? I think we did. Yeah. So, so yeah, Cole O'Hara played in yeah. the last game. Reed Lebster and Eric Faith did not. Yeah. Um, I believe Bollinger has been back for a few games now. So, um, yeah, that's kind of yeah. kind of your injury report there. Um, Lyndon Alger, we kind of Still expected out. him to be at least coming back you or figured. on his way to coming back by now. Um, we haven't really heard anything on him. It'd be nice to get some help on the um, blue line. But, yeah, uh, Lebster and Faith, we still haven't heard anything about. I'm a little bit concerned at this point um, of them finishing their senior season, honestly. Yeah, seriously. I guess the one last thing I'd mention is I, I saw a pretty shocking stat that I didn't even think about. Um, it happened sometime in the middle of this week before recording the episode, but somebody posted a stat. I forget who it was off the top of my head, as I normally do, because I don't save these anywhere really on Twitter. But um, somebody posted a graphic that had like the, I think it was the highest amount of time on ice per game. It was like the top 10 guys. UMass had two out of the 10. Yeah. And it was Morrow and Ufko. They're both averaging like 25 or 26 minutes a game. It's it's starting to really put into perspective, like, I guess both me 
roasting them at times for, you know, sometimes having poor play. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of soften my stance on that a little bit, because if you're playing almost half the damn game, you're going to be prone to making some errors and your conditioning is going to be pretty screwed up toward the end of the game. Part of me is starting to realize that that could be part of the reason why we tend to falter late in games. And this is coming to me literally as we record this episode, I didn't even think about this beforehand, but like, I know me and you have been talking at length either, you know, both on and off the pod about just how we tend to maybe not blow games, but just like lose steam. And yeah, you know what? I guess I'm going to say the term blow games because we have done that. And I think that's very well. It could be because the defense is just so young and I don't think they have the trust of the coaching staff to close off games. Like there, there's definitely times where we see Morrow and Ufko out there at the same time you know, in the final minutes of the game, just trying to close the game out. And they're basically on dead legs because they've played almost half the game. You know what I mean? And I think that can lead to defensive breakdowns and really screw things up, you know, late in the game. So that was something that I've noticed. And it's starting to make me realize that maybe I shouldn't be blaming them a lot because they've had to, you know, kind of be the lead guys on the team. You know what I mean? And they have to play really, really tough minutes in really, really tough situations. And we're kind of just throwing them into the pit and say, hey, figure it out because we don't have anybody else that can eat up those minutes. You know, like the rest of our defense are literal freshmen. (laughs) Like Bollinger to an extent, you know, he's been injured half the season. So it's kind of tough to expect him to, you know, be the the guy to take a lot of those minutes. Same thing with Alger. You know, those are our two oldest defensemen. Like McDermott, yeah, he should be able to at times, but he's been getting exposed a little bit this season in key moments. So, I mean, it just seems like a case of we have two two defensemen that the staff can trust and they're already playing so much of the game as it is. So it's kind of a tough look, but yeah, I just wanted to kind of air out those thoughts a little bit because it was something that I noticed that was super interesting. Yeah. That kind of opens my eyes a little bit too. We were talking a lot uh, kind of in more in the beginning of the season because there were more instances of this, but um, the team having uh, the opposing team, having their goalie pulled and having that extra guy in the last couple of minutes of the game, kind of makes sense that if our uh, two main D-men are playing close to 30 minutes a game and they're out there trying to clear the puck, of course they're going to be gassed because yeah. they're already on shifts that are like multiple minutes long and they've played almost half the game. So it it is starting to add up. That does feel yeah. feel right. And that's like kind of the thing too because it's like it, it starts to – like I don't want to turn this into like the, the, the dissection of Scotty Morrow, but like it's starting to make me realize that like – I think Morrow was in a really, really good position to succeed last season. Like, I think we, I don't want to say overestimated the jump that he was going to make, but I think contextually now, when you think about the position that the team is in this season and how other teams can prepare for that against him, it's starting to make a lot more sense in my mind, kind of, you know, like why he hasn't quote unquote, you know, met the expectations that people have set for him because like last year, He had basically a defensive core that was mainly seniors. You know what I mean? Like you had guys like Ty Farmer, Colin Felix, et cetera, that were eating up big minutes and can play, you know, shutdown type roles and be, you know, guys that the the coaching staff can trust when it comes to closing out games. You know, they were experienced, hard-nosed, you know, really solid defensive players. And he also had guys like Bobby Trevino and Garrett Waite that were, you know, bona fide, like, legitimate goal scoring threats at any time on the ice you know and that just means that coaching staffs now have to worry about you know four or five different you know threats on the ice at any given point you know like that's just we were just that good of a team last year 
that, you know, coaching staffs had to highlight guys that weren't more of. Now, all of a sudden, basically everything that, I don't want to say sheltered Moro, but I guess like allowed him to succeed more is kind of now kind of taken out from, from underneath him. You know what I mean? Like Bobby's gone, gone pro. Lapina went pro. Weight, horrible injury. Really hate to see it. All of the really, you know, old, experienced, trusted defenders that were playing alongside him are now all gone. And now he has to be the guy after really never being, you know, that guy before. Same thing with Ufko. Like they were both... I don't want to say like being sheltered by their defensive partners, but they sure as hell helped. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's always going to be beneficial. Definitely given the opportunity to ease into their exactly. role. Exactly. Like, like when you have a, a really, really, you know, experienced defenseman alongside a literal freshman, you're, you're going to be able to kind of cover up for some of the mistakes that they're mm-hmm. known to make. And now all of a sudden it's like, Hey man, I know you were in a really good position before, but now we need to, you know, you got to take the training wheels off and, you know, all of a sudden just figure it out on a, we, we let's be real here. Um, a worse team, you know what I mean? A team that is not in the same position as last year. It's, right. It's, it's like, kind of it's like going thing. from training wheels on flat ground to no training wheels and okay, go down this hill. Literally. Like, yeah, exactly. Like full speed, just, yeah. you know, we're taking the helmet off too. Like yeah. we're just, we're just going completely in. Like you're going X games mode for no reason, mega ramp style, do a <laughs> 360 tail whip, triple back, but like, bro, relax. Like let them, let them, do do just a regular you know 180 <laughs> like do something simple but yeah it's it's pretty crazy and I don't know I I don't really know exactly how this relates to a preseason pre- or to a to a preview of Providence at all but it was just something that came to me you know what I mean just kind of talking about the, the top scorers on on our team and just kind of what the team has to do I just think it can't be up tomorrow in Ufco anymore you know like we've we've ridden them hard this whole season it's a miracle that I don't want to jinx it, but it's a miracle that we've had them the whole season because I'm, I'm scared to, to see what happens if something were to happen to them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know where the hell we'd be without those two. And I, I feel like if I were to, if you were to tell me that I'd be saying this a month and a half ago, after I was in full, basically Scotty Morrow hate train, you know, in my really, you know, upset moments that I was having, you know, earlier on in the season, you know, I'd, I'd call you crazy, but I'm starting to kind of open my eyes and see the light a little bit. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's been tough for them and I'm, I'm definitely, I just want other, other guys to step up. You know what I mean? It's as simple as that. I need it to be more of a team effort. I, we can't just rely on two guys on the defensive end to make things happen. We got to have forwards step up, play smart, do the right thing. And I, I'm, I'm really hoping we can see that starting quite frankly tomorrow night. Yeah, man. I, I feel you there. Um, I got to be quite honest. I'm pretty nervous about, I want to say maybe not nervous because my, my expectations are, are pretty down at this point, but just um, looking back at these last two games against Providence, giving up 11 goals total um, team was able to score seven goals um, in those two games, which is um, kind of against the grain for this season for them so far. But um, I think Providence is going to be coming out They're They're back home on a four game losing streak. Um, they're probably thinking, Hey, let's write the ship against this 10th place team. Um, they give up so few shots per game, something, um, that UMass struggles to generate organically in their offense. Um, they only give up 2.4 goals per game. Uh, and like what we saw from UMass, uh, at the faceoff dot was so weird last weekend against Lowell, um, UMass's faceoff percentage as a team is all the way down to 50.8. So creeping back to, uh, 500 there. So, um, 
everything's trending in a poor direction, it's kind of hard for me to have a positive outlook on this game. But, hey, it's hockey. Anything anything can happen. Here, here's the only thing I will add to that, and I'm not sure if we mentioned it yet because I know I mentioned it to you, I think, before we started recording. But over, their, over Providence's past six games, they've given up three goals in every single game. Granted, it is exactly three goals against. So mm-hmm. we're, you know, if, if there's any betters out there, if you want to say UMass scores three, might not be against the, you know, against the green betting wise. But um, I mean, I've, I've, I've been saying it so far this season. If we get three, you're in a pretty solid position. You know what I mean? Granted, we couldn't even get one last game. But if we, if we look at Providence in their past six games, they're giving up three every game. If we can get three against them, I'm not going to say that I completely adore our chances, but it gives us sure as hell a fighting chance. You know what I mean? Because Pat's the type of dude that every now and then he could steal a game for you. It, it looked like it last game, dude lets up one goal on 30-something shots like that. That was a stealable game. You know what I mean? We just mm-hmm. needed a little bit of offensive help. If we get the offensive help this game, I think he can do it again. So I'm, I'm hoping and praying, but we'll see how it shakes out tomorrow night. Yeah, we shall see. Uh, again, this game tomorrow, uh, which for us is uh, Friday. So Friday night at 7 p.m. in Providence. Um, I don't think either of us are going to be making it to this game. Uh, already already did the Schneider trip once this season. So yeah. um, saving up really... our energy for Maine, basically. Yeah, uh, we're going to be booking the hotel and buying tickets for that soon. So uh, I guess just with the with the state of the team right now, we're, we're trying to save for different opportunities. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Schneider, if you listen to our yeah, true. arena review. So it just... We'll be able to watch half the game anyway with all, all the people walking around in front of us. So it's not going to matter regardless. I'd rather get the better angles on, uh, on Nesson Plus or whatever the hell the team's going to be playing on channel-wise. Yeah, yeah, but we'll be watching. Uh, and, of course, we'll be recapping everything. So um, definitely, definitely things aren't looking great right now, but uh, always reason for optimism in hockey. Anything can happen on any given night. So we'll still be rooting for the boys and supporting them um from home so thank you guys for listening to our preview um hope you enjoy the game and go umass go umass take care everybody and god damn it change the six game losing streak let's get one tomorrow